Since 2010, many of us Montana residents, business owners, sportsmen and women, and conservationists join forces under the banner of Montanans for Healthy Rivers to identify and conserve the last best free-flowing rivers in Montana. Some of the greatest river stewards and boots on the ground helping to protect our rivers day in and day out are guides. From a guiding perspective, I can tell you that sustainability and preservation is my ultimate goal. My name is Kinsley Scott. I'm a Montana native and guide, and I have been with Montanans for Healthy Rivers for years now. Welcome to River Ramble Guides Edition. In this series, we will hear from guides and outfitters from across the state in various regions of the proposed grassroots legislation Montanans for Healthy Rivers Coalition is currently fighting for. The Crown of the Continent proposal would protect 200 river miles in the heart of Montana, and the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act would preserve an additional 336 miles of river within the pristine Greater Yellowstone ecosystem. Today we are chatting with a Montana native and seasoned outfitter, Jason Fleury. Jason owns and operates Trout Chasers Lodge on the banks of the coveted Gallatin. He is here representing the Gallatin River and Taylor Creek. Sharing his love for this place, Jason explains why protection of this area is so important. Hi, Jason, are you there? Hey, Kinsley, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. How's everything in uh, Bozeman? Uh, everything in Bozeman is good. We got uh, pounded by some snow, which was a welcome sight, and just trying to dig out a little bit and do a little bit of plowing and shoveling. Yes, we got a little bit here in Missoula, but I, I'm really hoping that the mountains got more than we did here in town, for sure. Yep, yep. We could definitely use it, and luckily we're we're kind of heading into the next few months where we usually see quite a bit of it. So hopefully it just keeps on coming. I think everyone's doing their snow dance. Awesome. So today we are here to talk about one of the most noted rivers in Montana, the Gallatin, and specifically the protection this waterway and one of its vital tributaries, Taylor Creek, would receive. And who better to champion this area of the world than Jason? Jason has been in Montana since the age of three, and his outfitting business, Trout Chasers, has a lodge on the banks of the Gallatin River. And late last year, Jason hosted Senator John Tester at his lodge for the announcement of the introduction of the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act into Congress. So Jason, for those that don't know you, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, you bet. Um, super fortunate to, to partake in uh, Senator Tester's announcement of the uh, Headwaters Legacy Act. Obviously, when uh, when we were asked if we could help out on that, the the answer was an absolute yes. And uh, you know, growing up in uh, in Montana and seeing the changes that uh, that I've seen over the years, um, albeit not not a ton of years. I hope I'm not that old yet. But they uh, they've been pretty you know they've been pretty subtle, luckily, but. You know, I think it's one of those things when you're looking at what Montana offers, right, and, and across the state in in our Blue Ribbon streams and, and even our not Blue Ribbon streams, right, is, is we're so fortunate here. And I think a lot of folks can can take that for granted. And I know, I know even myself sometimes, you know, after after seeing it for so many years, you, you don't notice those changes when you're staring at it every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, seeing, you know, 
the protection put on some of these waters uh, is is just a phenomenal thing to to raise that awareness of what a what a tremendous opportunity we have here. And I uh, I'm fortunate enough to you know have started out guiding uh, at a young age at 19 and uh, kind of worked my way up through it and started a lodge on the uh, on the Gallatin about oh I guess this will be our 18th or 19th season here coming up and uh along with my wife julie and two daughters annalise and isabel getting to getting to see them um enjoy those same things that i got to see as a kid you know growing up on these on these waters so it's a it's a very fortunate life and uh doesn't come without a little bit of sweat at times and a lot of hard work but it's something i definitely love that is fantastic, and it sounds yes, it sounds like a great thing that you're able to offer your family. So, Jason, let me ask you, what rivers nowadays do you spend most of your time on? And this doesn't necessarily have to be guiding; it could be for your own personal fishing, if you ever have time to do that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I well, and I've I've found um, with having kids, uh, I'm actually taking more of that time finally, and uh, forcing Good. myself to think something that you shouldn't have to force yourself to do right and uh doing a little exploring but but yeah with the gallatin running right through our property it's it's certainly a a favorite of our guests as well as our guides and myself um it's a it's a tremendous piece of water we're we're located you know roughly 12 miles from uh from downtown bozeman um which is not not that far in montana terms at all and mm-hmm. uh you know over the years of floating it um it's it's just it's such an amazing resource with not just the fishing but the wildlife we see on it you know i mean there's there's not a day that doesn't go by that we're not seeing deer and elk and moose and i mean gosh just last year we had a floated around a corner on a channel and there was a a grizzly bear sitting right there and again (laughs) we're 12 months from downtown bozeman so you know those are the sites that that stick with you forever and you kind of pinch yourself to realize you know this isn't a movie uh this is the real deal we're getting to see it right up close so we uh being right in bozeman or right near you know downtown bozeman um we're surrounded by you know some pretty tremendous rivers in the yellowstone the madison the jefferson the boulder um in the spring we go up and and we're doing trips up on the missouri during our runoff time here and uh so very fortunate to have you know such a such a plethora of water around us here and uh so we hit those as much as we can and as as you know as well as anyone the guide season is pretty long and pretty hectic Mm -hmm. but um we do my my wife and I have kind of made it a point that every year we we finally started taking a few days in August before school starts back up for our kids and we take them on a camping trip and in Montana and uh and go explore either waters I haven't even seen yet which it's hard to believe that there's still still plenty of them out there um or revisit some of the ones that I used to visit as a kid and uh and you know being on new water or being on water you haven't been on in a long time is is always a treat. I agree. Yes, growing up here in Montana, I feel so fortunate to have the upbringing that we have had and I know your daughters will feel the same way later in life. So that's that's fantastic. Yeah, it's uh I you know, it's hard to hard to actually realize sometime how how fortunate you are and you just want to mm-hmm. share that, you know, not only with my daughters but with our guests every year as well. Absolutely. That's a perfect segue into what we're talking about here today, the Gallatin and Taylor Creek. So the Gallatin, under this protection, would receive 39 miles that would be safeguarded 
from the Yellowstone Park boundary to the confluence of Spanish Creek, its tributary Taylor Creek would gain 18 miles of protection from the Lee Metcalf Wilderness boundary downstream into the mouth of the Gallatin. So Jason, for those listeners that aren't familiar with this area, can you please kind of drop us a pin and give us a geographic location of where we're talking today? You bet. We're, uh, so we're, you know, Southern Montana, um, depending upon who you talk to, some will say we're on the edge of South Central, some will say we're right on the edge of Southwestern, and I think they're both probably right. So um, <laughs> kind of, you know, right there in Southern Montana, right on the, you know, outside boundaries of Yellowstone National Park from the west entrance there. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, like I said, you've got quite a few rivers um, right around us that that flow right in, you know, with the Madison, the Gallatin, and the Jefferson at the headwaters of the Missouri River. So we're, we're right, right in the heart of it. So let me ask you, in terms of the Gallatin, where does this body of water originate and what does it flow into? And if you could, too, give us an idea of where Taylor Creek comes into the equation as well. You bet. So the Gallatin starts out of uh, appropriately named Gallatin Lake uh, up in the park, which is actually, it starts in Wyoming as much as, you know, Montana claims it. And, and anyone who grew up in Montana will tell you Yellowstone Park's in, Wy- in, in Montana, even though it's a very <laughs> tiny sliver that's within Montana, right? But, <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it actually, so it starts in Wyoming, right? And then it flows 120 miles all the way on down. And as I mentioned earlier, to join up with the Madison and the Jefferson to start, start the Missouri. And then Taylor Creek, um, which is how it's listed in that, you know, Headwaters Legacy Act is commonly referred to as the Taylor's Fork and, uh, around here. And it, it, it actually dumps into the Gallatin just to the south of Big Sky. Um, roughly 20 miles, 15, 20 miles, something like that, um, from Big Sky. So it's it's definitely up much closer to the park there. Um, but both mm-hmm. uh both, you know, the Gallatin and the and the Taylor's Fork or Taylor Creek are, you know, pretty pretty fun waters to fish. Awesome. So segueing into that, um, how would you describe, like if you could paint us a picture of what the Gallatin and Taylor Creek look like and maybe a little bit about the fisheries, not necessarily, you know, how to fish it, but maybe a little bit more of a broad description of the ecosystem. You know, the Gallatin, uh, well, I'll start with the, with the uh, Taylor Creek there. It's, it's definitely like a high mountain stream, right? It starts, mm-hmm. uh, starts up high in the mountains. It's It's not exceptionally long um but then comes right on down through pine trees it's got a great big uh high mountain meadow that it that it rolls all the way on through before entering into the gallatin kind of in a meadow stretch of the gallatin before it tumbles down in through the canyon stretch as as it's referred to which offers some pretty awesome class four whitewater uh during high water with Mm -hmm. house rock being the most famous stretch of it there and you know, one of the best ways to describe the Gallatin is is just ask people if they've ever seen the movie A River Runs Through It, right? And uh, <laughs> I, I love to give uh, love to give folks over in your neck of the woods a little bit of a hard time. And that, <laughs> you know, A River Runs Through It was written about the Blackfoot, right? But it was mm-hmm. uh, they had to film it on the Gallatin because the Gallatin's so dang beautiful, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. just a, a slight tongue and cheek jab because they're both beautiful waters. But um, but yeah, so a ton of people who've never never heard of the Gallatin. When you ask them if they've seen a river on Seward, they go, holy cow, that's that's it, right? And uh, and it is. And it, and it flows down through that canyon stretch, 
you know, drop an ingredient pretty fast. It's got some white water, but it offers some tremendous pocket water fishing. And uh, as it gets on down to about 10, 10, 15 miles from Bozeman there, it opens up into the great big valley of the, the Gallatin Valley here and uh, turns into, you know, more of a meadow fishery. Unfortunately, there's, you know, a pretty substantial amount of uh, agriculture demand on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely thins on out before it finally, finally makes its way to the Missouri there. And as a fishery, you know, that canyon stretch, uh, it sees a lot of a lot of darkness and a lot of cold during the winter and even during the summer. So and it's fast mm-hmm. water. So as you can imagine, it's got a lot of smaller fish up in there. Um, some great rainbows, browns. Um, we get cutthroats in there. It's actually got a few grayling in there. And we even occasionally catch a few brook trout, um, usually a couple of summer. Um, as you come out of the canyon into the meadow and it slows out, it uh, the, the fish size increases, right? So we go, mm-hmm. we go up to... 12, 12 to 16 inches or so on average, and uh, in the in the lower stretch here, it's it's certainly not uncommon to see fish, you know, pushing that 20 inch mark and and a few even up and above that. And there's there's always a few giants that are caught that I'd I'd venture mm-hmm. to guess come up from the Missouri at some point. So um, it's a it's a great freestone river offers amazing dry fly fishing um throughout the year uh sometimes you got to work a little harder for it in those winter months but there's there's great midges out there then and <laughs> we get your your classic hatches you know with uh spruce moss caddis salmon you know salmon flies yellow sallies pmds trichos uh the whole the whole gamut is there and with a little bit of walking um you can usually find some fish that are pretty willing to look up perfect description of it yes and back to your your note on the blackfoot yes that is so funny i have so many clients that come to fish the big blackfoot and yes the book was written about it uh but it was not filmed here none of it was actually (laughs) and i will say the beautiful thing that came of that when they came in the early 90s to film on the blackfoot it was in such despair that it actually led to one of the largest and most notable river cleanups and ecosystem restorations we've seen here in Montana. So I will say something good came of that, that's for sure. <laughs> well, and I, I'd even say, well, first off, you're exactly right. But the uh, the other good thing that came of it is, you know, we get folks coming here because they know it was filmed here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it hopefully spread out some of that interest level to come to Montana <laughs> instead of just pounding it all in one one area. Hopefully it spread that out a little bit. Awesome. So, Jason, let me ask you, why is this area of the world special to you? Wow. Uh, you know, I think being being lucky enough to have camped in this area as a kid um, at many of the waters that I that I get to fish now today and having a family and, and parents that, you know, valued the outdoors, um, it certainly at least as much as I do, uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 always a fun it's a fun day to take a new guest out and, you know, have them catch a fish and realize, you know, that's, that's right there is where I used to camp when I was a kid or where I used to go fishing or, you know, where I used to go swimming when, uh, when I was a kid and stuff. And so getting to share that little bit of a glimpse of, of my childhood with them, um, it is, is pretty awesome. Um, the other thing, you know, it turns out it's not just a special place to me that the, the growth in Bozeman is pretty astronomical. It it uh, it doesn't take much to fall in love with the area. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's it's not hard to look at, right? So, um, and and then just the diversity of it. Um, you know, I think if I was stuck in a mountain canyon 
uh, every day of my life. I, I just couldn't wait to get out and see some prairies and wide open spaces and, and just the same. If I was stuck out there, I'd want to see the pine trees. And I, I love the diversity of the area and uh, kind of getting to see whatever you want to see that day just depends on which way you want to head. Absolutely. That is a great way to, to put that. It's so diverse and it's such a healthy and beautiful ecosystem over there. So with that said, how do you share important conservation issues facing Montana with clients or customers of, of trout chasers? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Um, well, not not a tough one, but that's a that's a huge, huge, in my eyes, uh, priority. And mm-hmm. how do you best serve that up, right? And and what I've learned through through the years of guiding is you better know your audience. And uh, and by that I mean if I if I come across with with a whole bunch of conservation ideas or or you know issues that we've gotten behind and really want to see them to support to someone who doesn't really hasn't really bought into the whole conservation mantra it it doesn't Mm -hmm. go real well you know at the end of the day we still want our clients to have a great day right no matter what they're paying Mm -hmm. for us to take them out and show them a great day but I, i feel that there is so much importance that needs to be put on that that you gotta swallow that pill and say you know, how do I, how do I do this? Because it needs to be tackled. And what I've learned is, you know, as, as unfortunate as it is with our political climate is, you know, divert or one polarized as it's become, it's baby steps with some and, and with others, it's feeding them with all the information you possibly can, right? Depending upon which way they, they tend to, you know, hold their political values. And the the best way I can describe it is just trying to, you know, if, if someone doesn't, doesn't understand the need to help preserve and, and conserve these places and, and uh, make sure that they don't, you know, go backwards, but actually continue to thrive is help them, help them understand that when they are falling in love with their day, that there's a reason they're falling in love mm-hmm. with it, right? It's uh, there's mm-hmm. a reason things are as clean as they are. And it's, it's because, you know, I'm sure as you do, we pull over when we see some, you know, someone left a little trash on the side of the river. It doesn't happen often, but when you do see it, I make it a point to roll over and, and drop the anchor and grab it and let them know we got to, we got to help out where we can. Right. And uh, so it's, it's kind of baby steps and it's trying to let them know that, you know, when they're having a great day on the water, please remember that, you know, when, when it comes time to vote. And I don't mean you have to vote one side or the other, but make sure that, you know, our, our future politicians also value these places, and those are the ones we want in place. Yeah, making it relative, because at the end of the day, conservation matters are bipartisan. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, they are. Jason, if this bill is passed, how do you see this area benefiting from the protection? I put a lot of thought into that. And, I, you know, in my eyes, what really happens is, in, is recognition. And and by that, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the national recognition it will receive for not just the Gallatin, not just Taylor, you know, Taylor Creek there, but, you know, the the, the 336 total miles in, in, in Montana is mm-hmm. people will ask, what, what is the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act, right? And why do we need it? Mm-hmm. And having a designation of a wild and scenic river, um, the protections are great, right? And And you know, in, in my eyes, it'd be great if they were even more stringent in a lot of ways. But what they mm-hmm. do is they make people realize that you need a designation to keep these places as as amazing as they are. 
And, you know, the, the Legacy Act in and of itself, putting a designation on a river, does that is that the silver bullet? I, I don't think so, right? I think it's a huge, huge mm-hmm. bullet that, that we need, but I think it's a starting point, right? More so than, a, than mm-hmm. a finish line of making sure people are aware that these places need to be protected. They need these protections in place if they're going to stay great for not just our kids, but hopefully, you know, our, our grandchildren's grandchildren down the line. Yes, and it is. It's a, I like to think of it as a piece of the greater puzzle. And the more protection we can get, the better off we are. So with that said, I was wondering if you could share a story in which a client or even your kiddos demonstrated conservation ethics through your teaching. So kind of a proud guide moment. I guess as a proud dad, the, the you know, it certainly is going to probably lean that direction. But I, I, on a client side, <laughs> just seeing that eye open and or their ears open up and listen to um, for, for the person who didn't didn't think they needed to protect something is great, and seeing that they can help any small part they can do can help. You know, we're we're very lucky that we get you know clients that have been coming with us for years, and you know you, you end up becoming friends and family, and you, you start to see shifts in mindset, and that's that's tremendous. And it's hard to pinpoint one of them specifically out there, but. Um, in in thinking about conservation, that one of the prouder moments I've had that was an eye opener was actually my oldest daughter and I, I was brought up in a in a family where you know we started off with uh, throwing some worms on a spinning rod you know and and uh, you know any fish you caught of course you had to grill it up and keep it and uh, it was real funny because certainly running a lodge you know we do you know, 100% catch and release. And uh, and we believe wholeheartedly in that, not just from what it does for the, the river itself, but also why would I want to take away a memory that could be had by somebody else? Let's put that fish back so somebody else can have that same memory potentially, right? And uh, mm-hmm. my my oldest daughter has been brought up with that. And uh, I, I, I actually had a, you know, family friend that you know, say, gosh, you know, I want to take my kid out, but we got to, where can we go and catch and kill a bunch of fish so we can cook them up? Because that, every kid wants to keep them and cook them. And I said, gosh, I don't, I don't think that's always the case. You know, I think that's because <laughs> that's, that's what you've taught your kid. Right. And we, we kind of had a discussion on it and, uh, you know, he was pretty well set that that was the case. And, and it, it, it turned out a week later, we had some guests at the lodge and they had some kids that were about my daughter's age, who was five at the time. And, you know, her, uh, her, her newfound friend, right, in, in this client's child, um, asked about going and catching and keeping a fish. And Annalise just turned and asked her, she goes, why would you want to keep it? You know, that would kill it. Why wouldn't you want to let it go so somebody else can catch it too? And the little girl looked right at her and she says, yeah. And she starts crying and she turns to her dad and says, dad, I don't want to kill one. I want to let it live, right? And it was like <laughs> this aha moment where my daughter's teaching conservation to another child, right? And it just, boy, it it really warmed my heart. And, you know, fast forward, she's now 10 and she's getting ready to do this unwaxed museum project. And she happened to choose Bud Lilly on her own and, you know, started doing her research as kind of the, you know, one of the, the leaders in catch and release in Montana and then came to me and said, dad, do you know, his daughter was the first woman guide in Montana. Mm-hmm. And the moments like that, right. I just, boy, to start it early is the best thing in the world. And it shouldn't be a mind shift at a later date, right? Like you can't start it mm-hmm. early enough. 
Oh, that is a great story. I hope that her project turns out great. You'll have to send me a send me a picture. That that's fantastic, and what a great role model too for for female guide in Montana. It's a proud moment in in our history for sure. Yep, there needs to be a lot more of them, in my opinion. So we're working on it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so <laughs> so lastly, Jason. If you had a message for folks right now or could encourage others listening to take action, what would that be? My biggest message is start right there within the guide community that, um, you know, we've all seen it. I'm sure you have the, the no politics in the boat, right? And mm-hmm. I think that needs to be changed to where it should say something more along the line of no hard politics in the boat. But let's start, let's start, you know, doing water droplets of politics that, that have to do with conservation that, that, as you mentioned earlier, need to be bipartisan. There's no reason at all that it should be one side or the other. And mm-hmm. let's, you know, as guides owe it to the resource, to the state, to, you know, the whole reason we got into this, most of us, I think, is we loved it, right? And we still do, mm-hmm. and we like sharing it with others. So let's make sure it can continue to be shared with others long after we're gone. And start opening the eyes, you know, that as tremendous of a resource as we have, it is still a fragile resource and it needs protections and we we have to put value on it, you know, across the board. And I I totally agree with that. It is sometimes a very touchy subject, but when you come at it from a conservation standpoint, I think you can really take away that intimidation or you know, possible conflict of may not, you know, you may not be on the same side of the fence. And I, I do agree. As guides, we have a responsibility to take care of these resources that we make a living off of. Yes. Thank you for that. You bet. You bet. And I'd also like to say thank you for your effort, not only in the podcast, but everything you're doing for the sport. I mean, that's, it's what it takes, right? It takes engagement. It mm-hmm. takes willingness to stand up and, and say the things that need to be said and, and to help work towards solutions. And I think you're doing a great job on that. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. That means a lot. Thank you. You bet. From all of us here at Montanans for Healthy Rivers, thank you for tuning in. If you would like to learn more about the Crown of the Continent proposal, the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act, and to join our efforts, please visit healthyriversmt.org to add your endorsement.